today's episode of CCA on the Air. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Brandon Protus, and I'm the Assistant Vice President of Alliance Engagement here at Complete College America. Today on CCA on the Air, we are speaking with Dr. Barbara Dameron. She is a professor and senior advisor to the Dean of Health Sciences and senior advisor to the founder and director of Project ECHO. And we're going to be talking about a new initiative that New Mexico is starting. And this is to scale co-requisite support across the state. So first of all, welcome, Barbara. Hi, Brandon. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Um, for listeners out there, I'm just going to do some quick level setting because we're going to be talking a lot about co-requisite support. So just so we all have the same understanding, co-requisite support is a specific strategy. It's one of the long-held student success game changer strategies from CCA. And it's really a solution to the traditional long sequences of prerequisite remediation. So in the past, a college may decide for whatever reason that a student is not college ready. They can't go directly into those college level English and math courses. And logically it makes sense they would put them in these courses to build up those skills through remedial courses. Problems is students would take one, two, three. Um, I've heard of schools up to four five and six courses before they ever have access to that college level course. And students are lost through attrition as well as pass rates. And so when you start off for every 10 students, you might have one student that makes it to that college level class, let alone passing it, and then on to graduation. Well, co-requisite support instead makes it where all students incoming into college go directly into that college level course. All students do. And those students who need that extra help, they go into a co-requisite class. So it's a class that's taught during the same term or semester as the college level course and through just-in-time teaching and some active learning strategies, they're supported on that college level math or English uh, content. And the really exciting thing is that the research that has been put out and that CCE has shared is the success rates for co-requisite support are exponentially better than what we see through prerequisite remediation. So we've seen systems and states that have gone to full co-requisite support doubling and even tripling their pass rate for those uh, college level courses, as well as eliminating those institutional performance gaps when you disaggregate uh, across race, first generation status and, and other areas. So we've seen just amazing results from co-requisite support. But what we wanna talk about is even if you know that's what you wanna do, there's this process of change management of getting people to there. And, and this is where you came in. Barbara, you had this brainchild. Uh, I remember talking to you and. Uh, for transparency, I'm involved in this project as well, not just leading this podcast, but I remember talking to you over a year ago where you had this idea, well, actually it was a passion first, you is really wanting to scale in New Mexico. And your idea was to combine it with Project ECHO. And I'm sure our listeners are not too familiar with Project ECHO. So can you talk about what, what is this Project ECHO, Barbara? Sure, happy to, Brandon. Great overview of co-requisites so people know that's what we're wanting to scale up here in New Mexico. And we in New Mexico, as I'm sure many of our listeners, uh, believe in co-requisite, but scaling it up can be challenging. So right, a year ago, we could not be doing this project without Brandon. I want all of our listeners to understand that a very pivotal part of this project. But I was thinking, how can I really get this scaled up statewide? Um, when I was former 
Cabinet Secretary of Higher Education in New Mexico, the former CHEO, uh, we introduced co-requisite, uh, the co-requisite model to New Mexico. So several of our colleges and universities have started it, but they had not all scaled it up. So having worked with Project ECHO, I thought this could be our answer. So what is Project ECHO? Let me tell you about Project ECHO. ECHO stands for Enhancing Community Health Outcomes, ECHO. ECHO was developed 20 years ago by Dr. Sanjeev Arora, an amazing man, um, a gastroenterologist whose specialty was treating liver disease, specifically hepatitis C. He would have patients come into his clinic, not unlike when I was an advanced practice nurse, would have patients come into the clinic that had had a disease for years on end. And in Dr. Aurora's case, he had a lady come in who knew she had hepatitis C, had known she had had it for eight years, but had not come in sooner. Why? She lived out in a rural area. Getting to the urban area, most of our medical centers are, was hard to get to that. So it took her eight years. And Dr. Aurora said, "What? why are you here now? She says, well, I now have a really bad pain in my liver. I know I have hepatitis C, but I have a really bad pain. Turned out she had cancer in the liver as well as hepatitis C. And this broke Dr. Rohr's heart because we had known for years how to treat hepatitis C. Now, it was difficult to treat hepatitis C in a rural area. You don't just tell your primary care physician, oh, yeah, here's the treatment, because back then the treatment was very complicated. It was a chemotherapeutic regimen of drugs. But Dr. Aurora kept asking, we have the right knowledge. How can we get the right knowledge to the right person at the right time? So what he decided to do was he went to all 33 counties in New Mexico to meet the different primary care physicians in those areas and say, if I train you how to treat hepatitis C, will you do it? And they were like, oh, you know, it takes more than just training. This is not just a weekend webinar. But as you know, in healthcare, um, in medical residencies and in nursing residencies, we don't just teach people how to do it. We then do this constant case-based learning. Um, we teach um, the practicing provider how to do it. Then they go treat a patient and they come back and present that case to their professor. This is what I did. And after you do that for about a year or two years in gastroenterology, for example, you're deemed a gastroenterologist. So you get the information, you practice it over and over with case-based studies. So what Dr. Aurora established, and again, this is before Zoom or anything like that, he then obtains with an early Zoom license, he worked with the founder of Zoom to make virtual video available through all these rural areas in New Mexico. And he taught the primary care physicians how to treat hepatitis C. Then they continued to meet every week. He taught them this is the drugs you use, but then they would come back via Zoom and say, yes, I treated patient X, but they had this complication. I treated patient Y, they had this complication. So it was this constant all teach, all learn, case-based learning. And this went on for a year. He also then introduced this into the prisons in New Mexico, and this is published in the New England Journal of Medicine. In fact, there are over 500 peer-reviewed articles about the efficacy of Project ECHO. The bottom line is he saw that using this democratizing knowledge, all teach, all learn, case-based learning over a period of a year plus, building a community practice on a weekly or so basis, he showed that the primary care physicians out there in New Mexico, as well as those in the prison system, could amply and adequately treat hepatitis C. And in fact, the article published in the New England Journal of Medicine showed the mortality for hepatitis C just took a big nosedive once ECHO got involved. 
So they were able to save lives through Echo. So Echo has been around for quite a bit. And I'll wind this part up too, because we have lots to say about it, Brandon. So I just want to say how we got from health to education. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah, that's the question I have is like, yeah, you start off with community health, this amazing model. Like, how do you... How do you go from there to co-requisite? I'm so fascinated. Exactly. So that's the question. So ECHO has done lots of diseases, not just hepatitis C, cancer, heart disease, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually even getting to K-12, teaching teachers about social emotional learning. But as I talk to all the different faculty around our state and our college and education, colleges and universities, struggling to scale up co-rec, because we are the most decentralized higher education system in the country here in New Mexico, everybody felt they were like in their own silo, kind of like those primary care physicians. They were each trying to scale up co-rec, but they were having some difficulty. Like, how can I bring this community together? I thought Project Echo, which I had worked on in my previous life as a cancer advanced practice nurse, and as a cancer scientist, I'd worked with Echo in my previous career. So now I thought this might work. What if we build a community of practice of all the people in our college universities who need to be involved with scaling up co-rexit, the presidents, the provosts, the faculty, the registrars, the advisors, the IR folks, everybody who we need to make this institutional change. I thought, let's see if Project Echo, the Echo model of pulling people together virtually on a regular basis for over a year, building a community of practice, teaching them what needs to be done, then doing this case-based learning all teach, all learn, democratizing knowledge, is that going to make a difference in how we can scale up co-requisite in our state? One of the things that you've spoken about, and I know from uh, my own work at a community college, is so frequently, it's not just that we work within our own silos on the college campus, but our, our college and university campuses are silos, meaning we know what's going on there, and we have colleagues that maybe we speak to at other campuses, but that piece of collaboration is not as easy, uh, particularly if there's not some kind of framework uh, that's there for it. So I'm wondering if you can talk about, you, you kept saying all teach, all learn, and communities of practice. For those who are going through this Project ECHO, what's going to be their level of engagement and their timeline for those participants? Like, how are they actually going to be involved? Uh, like, what does Project ECHO look like once you're doing it? Right. So in our case, which I'm, we had a in-person kickoff meeting where we pulled all these folks in together. Um, and this is a research project. I have four interventional colleges and universities and four control colleges and universities. But for the intervention ones, we pulled in together and Dr. Protus here was our keynote speaker. I have to keep giving him a plug because he gave the best ever talk there ever was on co-requisite education. It was just superb. And that's not just me feeling that, that was everybody who was in attendance. Um, so first of all, we do the training. We talk people through what is co-requisite, even though a lot of them knew about it. But again, we brought in the presidents, the provosts, the English faculty, the math faculty, the registrars, the advisors, some financial people, the IR people. So we all know what co-requisite is now. So what ECHO is are typically 90 minute virtual, visual, audio, Zoom sessions or other platforms that meet anywhere from weekly to monthly. We're going to be having 10 ECHO sessions that run August 2023 through May 2024 with these all these different people talking about what is working and what is not working for co-requisite implementation and scaling in their institution. Now, sometimes we'll have the whole group together like we did in person. Sometimes we'll have an echo just for the registrars. Sometimes we'll have an echo just for the advisors, sometimes just for the faculty. So we'll do a cross-section of people or sometimes individual ones. And again, how we use that all teach, all learn, we always have a didactic 
informational presentation at each ECHO meeting, this 90-minute virtual meeting where we share new scientific evidence-based information. Then we have different folks present case studies. Maybe the financial people are telling us a problem they're having um, getting their governing board to understand how they're charging or not charging, that any kind of thing they can bring in. The advisors, what do I say about this? So they bring in the different issues. That's how we continue to build that community of practice. Does that make sense? It does. And, and for listeners out there, normally on the podcast, I'm talking with someone where I'm not directly involved, but um, for full transparency, I am involved in this project. And one of the things that I'll highlight that you spoke about, Barbara, is this is not just the math and the English faculty, what are you doing in the classroom? because we're really talking about scale and we're talking about change management. And if we're going to do that in a sustainable and deep and meaningful way, it's a full campus approach. Exactly. So when we move to CoREC, how is that impacting every part of the college? And that's what we're really going to be working on and investigating and building these communities of practice. Exactly. Um, you did talk about that there's a research component, which is also right. a little bit different than just doing professional development, or like you said, it's so often the one time uh, webinar for one hour as right. that, that alone will do it. So there is research to test for or really do some hypothesis testing. So what are you hoping to show and how are you working with the institutional research folks on this? Exactly. So this is um, a bona fide research project. We've gone through the Human uh, Subject Protection Office at UNM. Uh, that's all been approved through IRB. Um, that, of course, took several months to get that approved. Because what we're essentially testing a hypothesis. Is this ECHO model, a project ECHO model, and perhaps you can share that website with listeners too in some way, um, but is that platform, project ECHO model, what we're testing, is that intervention using project ECHO for over a year, of course, this will be an ongoing, I can talk about that momentarily, but right now, testing the hypothesis well, these four interventional college universities that are using the Project ECHO model, we're engaging them for a full year, build this community practice, and all teach, all learn, the democratizing knowledge. Are they going to be able to scale up co-requisite model um, and sustain it in their college universities more than the control group that is not part of Project ECHO? How are we going to know that? We're doing um, an observational evaluation study. We're collecting three baseline data. We're getting baseline data collection of who, both for the interventional control groups. How many remediation classes do you have now? How many co-rec classes? They describe all their developmental education now. Then for the ones in the interventional group, we also have a perception survey that we built on Dr. Protus's work that he had used elsewhere. Um, we've developed an instrument to evaluate does their perception about co-rec change after a year. And thirdly, the big one, which is both the interventional group and the control group, we are collecting large amounts of de-identified student data. And we're going to get every student who is accepted into a college university, once they are determined by that college university, they need, quote, remediation, that they're not college ready. And of course, our whole goal here is to make the institution student ready, not to say the student isn't college ready. We want the institution to be student ready. So every student, once they register, um, they're told they're, or we, once they're accepted, they're told they need either mediation or something. We're going to start collecting data from there, following these students over a year, age, gender, race, um, ethnicity, what semester they're in, all kinds of de-identified information. We have all this approved by IRB. We have data use agreements. We have all the paperwork and correct pr procedures all established for this. And we're going to be following those students over years to come, both the interventional 
college universities and the controlled ones. So it's a true research project with consent forms, et cetera, testing this project echo model to see if it can serve as the intervention to help scale up and keep scaled up co-requisite, the co-requisite model. It's awesome. It'll definitely add to the literature out there, um, both around co-requisite and the change process. Now, beyond the research, your goal is to scale co-requisite support across the state over time. Um, talk about that a little bit. What will that look like? So we already have, um, we have 31 public colleges and universities in New Mexico, and already have college universities already wanting to get into this project. So this first year, phase one, like I say, are four interventional groups, four control groups. The second year, the control groups will move to the interventional groups, and we'll keep moving through till we get all 31 of our public colleges and universities, including our tribal colleges, who are very interested, who know ECHO and very interested in working with this. So I see this expanding statewide. Uh, we're working with our higher education department, um, our state higher education agency. And so we already have colleges and universities within our states that say, when can we get in? When can we get in? They very much want to be part of this. So we see scaling this statewide. And I also want to throw in that ECHO has a hub and spoke model. And there is actually an ECHO in every state in the country. And the hub is typically at an academic medical center, but not always. Um, and then there are spokes that go, whether it's nursing homes, hospitals, schools, college universities. So there's an echo now based in every state. And we actually have several other states who also want to get involved with this. So you've had interest beyond New Mexico already. I have. In addition to these other states in the country, we even had two other countries who have already contacted me who know about Project Echo and are also interested in using Project Echo for this co-requisite, because Project ECHO is in almost 190 countries already. Wow. So this really has the potential to grow. Project ECHO is primarily remote and virtual, but uh, as we said, we did do an in-person kickoff event, and uh, I participated in that. I think one of the things that Complete College America is known for, one of our areas of focus, is creating those conditions for change. And so while we'll talk about policy and practice in a second, I want to focus on this idea of of perspective and, and how you uh, get individuals and groups to think differently and to question uh, practices and assumptions. So you were there as well. I'm just curious, what did you see at that kickoff event to start this? Well, we saw thankfulness for pulling together. So the first thing I saw was so many college universities, we really have wanted to come together and talk with each other. Um, so there's just a lot of excitement about coming together. Having been a longtime member, and full disclosure, I'm a board member of Complete College America. So, of course, I support CCA. I've uh, been on the board, um, was invited on the board by the founder, by our wonderful Stan Jones. So I know how CCA can also help build these communities and this energy. So what we saw at the kickoff meeting was lots of excitement, uh, lots of honesty, um, it was very interesting because there had been reports of who was doing what, but these college universities were just wonderful. They came and were very honest. This worked. This is not working. Help me. Help us understand what we can do differently here. Or, no, I don't think that's ever going to work. Or I think this actually could work. We haven't thought about that. So it's just a lot of energy for a solid full day and a half. I'd say most of us were pretty tired afterwards, but we were both energized and tired at the same time as, as good meetings uh, result have that result. So there's just this coming together with the expertise that CCA brought to it. That was the exciting thing for me, the expertise 
through Dr. Protus. And we were lucky enough to have Dr. Tristan Denley be one of our speakers. And Dr. Loretta Griffey is also involved with this project. So the expertise and competence that CCA brought, plus the years long documentation of this and the resources from CCA were incredible. You know, we just had so many resources for our attendees there. So you combine CCA with all of its knowledge, expertise, competence, and their specialists, Dr. Protus and others, you combine that with our college universities, our leaders who are gonna take all this information back. They're already talking about who they're gonna include from their local college universities. And then with what Project ECHO can do, and you bring these three together, and I think we can succeed. I think we can change things for students in a real lasting, meaningful way, not just talk about it, but the whole reason we're here is to help the student, is to bring that student to success, not to set up this bridge to nowhere for student, but to bring that student to feeling good about themselves and to success as a first generation myself. I know how important that is. So just the energy, camaraderie and the desire to work together was so palpable that day and a half that it was moving on behalf of students. You know, you bring up a really good point, which is the success we've seen when institutions, systems, states have implemented fully co-requisite support. It's not that they're getting different students. It's not the students that change that suddenly they're seeing better results, but it's rather the institutions that change. And That's why we use the term institutional performance gaps rather than equity or achievement gaps, because that can suddenly put that blame on students and particularly Bill Pock students, rather than saying, how do we set up our systems and structures to better serve the students we have, recognizing the inequities in our systems and trying to change that. So I appreciate you you bringing that out in the perspective piece of it. Sure. Now there's also the role of policy and practice and through uh, Project ECHO, we're going to be focusing on that implementation at scale and defining what scale means to fully move to a co-rec model, moving away from old forms of prerequisite remediation. I'm, I'm curious what you think of that interplay between practice and what the role of policy is as well um, to really exactly. ensure that we have, I don't know, a, a standard vision for this change. Yes. So of course, is a policy maker was such a believer in policy and, and good policy. So we talked about that quite a bit in our kickoff meeting. That will be also sessions through these 10 echo sessions as well. What does that policy look for? Number one, our state. That's why we're also working very closely with our higher education department. What type of policy can we do to help our colleges and institutions, thereby helping our students at the state level? So our state partners are very much involved with this and are very well versed in co-requisite and such. So we're looking collectively, what kind of policy are we going to want to enact, if any, at the state level? Again, we're very decentralized. We don't have one governing board. We have 31 governing and advising boards for our 31 institutions. Most of those are governing boards. And then what changes can we make policy-wise at the institutional level? And again, at this kickoff meeting, uh, Dr. Protus had us look at different policies from different states. So we are again doing that deep dive into the state policy, but also the institutional policy. What can the institutions, and they were very excited about that, what changes can they make um, going through their processes, their faculty senates, for example, their governing boards, staff input, administrative input, what policy changes will the institutions want to instigate, uh, implement, and sustain their and their higher ed institution. So there's a good robust conversation about that already, but that'll be one of the issues we're also massaging through the year with these 10 echoes. Yeah, it's interesting with co-requisite support, 
we say it, it's settled law at this point. When CCA was first talking about it over a decade ago, it was really making a shift around the systems of DevEd, not the educators, but the systems saying well-intentioned systems that, that make sense on the face value of it just are not working for students. But the difference is now we have enough data from other systems and states and institutions that have done it that we know this is the way to go. Yet at the same time, there's still plenty that need to fully adopt the model. And so this is where I see New Mexico really saying, and that's what we're doing, we're moving forward with this. Now, Project ECHO, this is a unique approach to it. Uh, my understanding is this is not just the first Project ECHO with co-requisite support, but this is the first Project ECHO being done in higher education. Is that correct? That is correct. So I say Project ECHO is a 20-year solid history um, in changing health outcomes, and they have recently gotten into K-12. Just an aside, they also deal with climate change. They deal with um, law um, poverty law and such. They deal with um, environmental issues. So ECHO is dipping in several other areas, but this is the first ever higher education ECHO research project. Um, ECHO has been doing a, a few things, looking at maybe some uh, career counseling between high schools and colleges, but this is the first ever ECHO higher education research project. Uh, with the hope of many more to go. Um, this, yes, this idea came about a year ago. Um, I was wanting to do more with um, colleges, universities, and speaking with Dr. Aurora, who was very supportive of bringing ECHO into the higher education space. He really wanted to see that happen as well. And he and I have talked about a number of other ways ECHO can help our higher education institutions with changing educational outcomes. So, but this is the first one. So it's very exciting that the eight institutions from New Mexico that are involved or the inaugural group or the first ever Project ECHO Higher Education Research Project. So it's an exciting time. It is an exciting time. So looking in your crystal ball five years down the road, what are your hopes for what this co-requisite Project ECHO can do beyond just this one project? What are your hopes for the future? Yeah. Right. So our, our timeline is start with this pilot project, but my I see five years down the road with the intervention of Project ECHO that we're able to have co-requisite be the standard. This will be self-sustaining. We're not gonna have to be changing from prerequisite to co-rec. We're not gonna have to be scaling up. It's gonna be done, that we can get it done through Project ECHO, not just in New Mexico and all 50 states and our territories, other countries that are interested in this. And then we don't need to find funding to test the research anymore. And I know how long these things take. I remember I was a, a cancer scientist long before I was doing higher education science and, and policy. And it takes a long time to get the data, change people's mind, then implement the new information that we have. But I see us doing this definitely in five years. So Project Act will be the intervention to get this to where we need to be. And then COREC will be the standard. Everybody will be doing that. By then, we're going to have another problem in higher education. We probably all can think of five other problems we need to solve in higher education. And I can see Project ECHO, that ECHO model, also being the intervention to help some of those other problems as well. You know, something you said made me realize there's sometimes cynicism, uh, hard to believe, but in higher education. <laughs> and and that, that cynical approach is sometimes, oh, this is just the flavor of the day, right? Let's just wait it out and this too shall pass. And uh, I've never appreciated that defeatist attitude when it comes to improving conditions for student success. I think that's very meaningful, but uh, I understand where it comes from, the, the changing tides, but I think where Project ECHO fits in in this particular model 
is this is sustained practice. This is not just we came in right. once and that's it. It is meaningful engagement that happens um, on a monthly or multiple times per month basis where you're building these communities of practice, not just within one institution, but across institutions that that builds up uh, this larger community and a exactly. sense of accountability as well. So it, I think in some exactly. ways it, it stems against that, that, that cynicism we also see sometimes. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. And again, coming from a health background, um, and again, having been in the field of oncology, I've had over 100 people die in my arms. And I've seen a lot through my oncology years. The one thing I saw a lot was how much of cancer, as well as other diseases, could be prevented. And why aren't some of these being prevented? Because our folks were not educated. They did not know. They didn't know how to ask the right questions. They didn't know what to look for themselves. So education of all the social determinants of health is pivotal. And as I tell our college universities every day, you are saving lives, saving lives more than many a physician or a nurse out there by making sure our students get a post-secondary education, that they're not stopped because they, there's a few math concepts they don't get, or they're not stopped because there are some language arts they don't have, that we're doing all we can as humans on this planet to help those students get the education they need so they can be critical thinkers, so they can be more informed um, takers and participants in the health system. That's saving their lives. You, we don't know how we're teaching them today, how that can help them access the right care, do more preventive measures in their in their life. So I'm very passionate. This is not just yeah. a, a bright, shiny object. This is saving students' lives. Yeah, to end on a note of optimism, what it really is, is change takes time. And that transformation process, not just of um, a particular strategy, but what we've been talking about is really transformation of the college or university itself, that whole institutional transformation can be done. And this provides a model and a way forward to do it, uh, not just in the short term, but more meaningfully in the long term for that sustainable sustainability as well. Exactly. And it can be done and we will do it. And how exciting to be part of this at this time to make be part of such a big transformation that will save someone's life what more privilege can we have as a human on this earth absolutely well barbara we've come to the end of our time i want to thank you so much for talking with us for our listeners out there you've been listening to another episode of cca on the air we've been fortunate to have dr barbara dameron she's a professor and senior advisor to the dean of health sciences center at the university of new mexico and senior advisor to the founder and director of Project Echo. And she also is a board member here at Complete College America. We've been talking about this great project of scaling co-requisite support through a Project Echo model. Listeners, stay tuned for following episodes where you're going to hear from other great higher education leaders making a difference uh, with us. Thanks for joining us.